gentlemen, you are both drunk on cosmic wine. Welcome to the show. I'm Dr. Mark Sylvester. And I'm Dr. Richard Schulman. This, this is, is All Psych. Welcome, everyone, to this week's edition of The Non-Ordinary Mind. Yes, what kind of non-ordinary mind will we be looking at today, my friend? Well, the topic of today, funny you should ask, is well, actually... I, I kind, of had, kind of had an intuition about it. Did you have ESPN? Uh, I think I did. And what else? ESPN? ESPN, the sports uh, network? No? Oh, I never realized that. It was the yeah. Intuition Network. Yeah. Well, funny, funny, you should make that hilarious joke about ESPN because the topic literally is ESP or extrasensory perception and precognition. So, you know, people have heard of these. I mean, they've heard of precognition, they've heard of ESP, but in researching this show, we went down the rabbit hole, didn't we? And we're going to have some interesting thoughts and perspectives, you know, our flavor, our style on, on what this is, what it could be, what it could be not, what it might mean for humanity, why it's important in 2020. Is it still 2020, Austin? Yes, she's confirming it's still 2020. But you know, 2020 was a leap year. February, oh, that's... 29, February, 29 days. April had 300 days. May so we were supposed years. to skip this whole year. That's why we're in this hellscape. Like yes. Well, um, you know, um, I think that for us, at least for me, ESP is sort of the same as everything else. I mean, I was, I grew up with it. But for a lot Everyone of had ESPN. <laughs> oh, ESP. Gotcha. ESP. There was a time that ESPN was something special, and uh, now not so much. But ESP, for some people, it's just kind of what they live with. It's it's really not that extra. But for some people, they don't want to admit that it, it, it even exists. Well, so let's define it a little bit better. I think right. a lot of people could understand the the the, the gestalt of ESP. Um, frequently referred to as the sixth sense, but you know it also is um, a form of of telepathy, right? Um, intuition. Sometimes people would say it's a on par with uh, intu intuition or or even clairvoyance. Um, well, there's a lot of there's a lot of evidence that the mind is not local, but it, the, I guess the question is, how do you tune in? How do you tune in and how, how would ESP be even possible with our current understanding of, let's say classical physics, because um, moving, uh, you know, tr what they call a trans-temporal operation um, and thought locality can really only be explained or, or even posited if we go into extranumerary uh, dimensions, which, you know, there's a lot of interest in, in quantum mechanics and string theory, and there's a lot of interest in a general, generalized uh, unified uh, theory that there may be that mechanism, we just haven't disco discovered it yet. And I think hence, that's why the sixth sense um, 
Im implies that it's as, it's as much as of a sense that we're all potentially capable of as sight or sound or smell or taste or touch. It's just this sixth one that we haven't really been able to put our scientific instruments on. Um, although there's been plenty of attempts on that we, we're gonna talk about. But um, for now, it's just the sixth sense or clairvoyance or precognition. Um, they're well, slightly it's, it's, different. We're going to use those terms interchangeably throughout the, the show today, but where, where there are differences, um, I'll point out. I don't know, for a poor country doctor like Dr. Lennon McCoy, it's knowing something you weren't necessarily supposed to know. You didn't have the information and you knew it anyway. Well, we talked, was it last week, about uh, remote viewing and uh, remote viewing is kind of a, a type of extrasensory uh, perception. So is clairvoyance for that matter. Um, some people call it the second sight. Uh, you know, the movie, The Shining, what they call it, The Shine, <laughs> The Shine. But, you know, the, I, my far left brain um, is always trying to mend fences with my far right brain. And anytime I can meet in the middle and connect sort of the evidence-based, scientific, uh, uh, finite rules of, of, of law, physics and laws of nature with the fantastical, let's think about this, posit how it's possible, we get a cool show. And so here we go. This is what, this is what I found and this is probably what makes this most sense to me uh tell me what you think rich um Always. as an underlying mechanism for esp or, or telepathy um because it's hard to say something exists but we don't know why especially something like this um and the mode of of transduction of of this paranormal information um is is definitively and arguably unknown but if we could make that somehow known or measurable wow what a discovery it would be um and so it if we let's just take for the purpose of the show the presumption that esp is a kind of normal um, um per perception let's call let's think of it as a sixth sense and let's suspend belief for any of our viewers that are on the fence or um not quite open to jumping on that ship themselves um, so that we can uh, look at the mechanism. Because to me, that's, if it's possible, looking at the mechanism gives you a lot to think like, okay, now I can, now I can understand that and hypothesize and believe this a little bit more. It makes, it makes a little bit more sense. And as it does to me, because there was an interesting study I found of recently discovered photoreceptors. They're called uh, uh, cryptochromes, which are, they're actually present in all of our tissues, which is kind of interesting. I thought they were just in the eye for some reason, but they actually are in all of our tish, uh, uh, tissues. They're an ideal candidate for ESP transduction um, at the initial perception stage. And, and I'll say why in a second, but basically it's thought that the information as it travels I guess, to the observer or the receiver triggers these chemical reactions inside these uh, cryptochromes. And on a quantum level, it influences spin states of paired uh, radical ions. 
So it's a process which activates the cryptochromes um, and then spreads their sum signal throughout the brain, creating a meaningful synthesis. Some people call it like a holographic pattern of, of the brain's neural network to generate a very, very complex um, imagery that we would, rec you know, we would recognize as whatever the whatever we're seeing or or feeling. So if that you know the reason why I like that is it explains how some precogs receive information much more emotionally, right? Mm. Other precogs receive it visually, and so it may have to do if you if you know if we're working on this uh, mechanism with the cryptochromes, it may have to do with once the 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 thought energy um, inter interacts with the cryptochromes and then spreads throughout the brain where the largest density of those cells are and then what they're tied to in that particular brain, basically how that brain's transceiver is set as to what image or thought or emotion will be generated. How's that for a rabbit hole? Wow, to me, it was just a mystery, but um, I appreciate that you can go down there and try to explain would you, would you like me to go deeper uh if you've got more sure well i, well, I can go all the way through to china so wow. check this turns out cryptochromes are concentrated in the eye and the pineal gland right the seat of the soul we've talked about it before and the chemical reactions that mediate esp are thought to be most active in those locations it's one of the reasons why uh, Rene Descartes and, 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 and all the way to Rick Strassman, they were all fascinated with the pineal gland because it, you know, it's the only sort of, not only, it's one of the most deep ancient brain structures that's midline, meaning you don't have a left and right hemisphere. Um, and so it's thought that whatever information goes into it um, can spread out to literally any and all regions of the brain um, that it wants to. So it can also explain how certain mystical, transcendental, paranormal phenomenon, such as seeing gods or ghosts, like we talked about before, um, the distance healing, assuming they're energy-based. If you want to go down, if you going down the rabbit hole, I mean, you look at a at a uh, picture of the pineal gland, you know where it sits in the brain, especially a side view, and what you get is the eye of Horus the ancient Egyptian symbol. So these old boys knew some things that were, that were going down and were trying to point us in a certain direction. Of they course, they also it. snaked the brain out of their mummy's heads and threw it in the dirt. Well, okay, if that was, you know, what they did, I don't know, I wasn't there. But I do know that they were trying to give us some information. And I think information that'll make us live better because you know, when you and I cooked this idea up of non-ordinary mind, it wasn't, I mean, we love this stuff. So that's, that's part of the, the draw, but it's really because if we can accept this part of ourselves, it gives us a bigger world. It gives us a more spiritual world, a world that, that transcends the sort of materialism that, that we seem to be stuck in. And Not just the materialism, but talking about the stress of the pandemic and all the external things coming at us, these darts that are sticking one by one and, you know, a thousand cuts are bleeding us to death. We well, need to have we, that we, moment. If like, we have a bigger, a bigger consciousness, 
a bigger world, um, we can see how we fit better. We can see things that go beyond just, well, okay, how am I gonna, um, how am I gonna pay that bill? I mean, Carl Jung said that the modern day shaman needs to be a success in both worlds. And going down the ESP, um, it's information. Yeah. It's information. And, and you know, the, the thing that's happening now is people say, oh, well, science is all about testing and numbers. It's about observation and trying to figure out what the observation means. We get caught in what seemed to be almost a cult-like idea that we have to sign on to a particular way of looking at, at the world. And if you don't, then you're a kook or worse. Opening to the kinds of things of a non-ordinary mind open us to something bigger, something beyond ourselves. And I think lead us to a life that's much more fulfilling. Yeah, I mean, just in, in, in our conversations, both past and present, but mostly our conversations of this nature in, in the setting of 2020, it's been a huge escape. It's been a huge um, fountain uh, of, of, of youth, uh, uh, a, a safe place to go on our thoughts and our minds that makes 2020 and all the horrors outside, you know, oh my God, there's a zombie out my window. I got to go deal with this. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There wasn't really a zombie, but uh, it's an alien, right? But you know, they make tap on the window. Oh, it upsets them, you know. Um, to me, it's much more than just an escape. It's why are we doing anything here? People get really down. You know, people come talk to me. I'm sure they do to you also. <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to get some shameless shirt mer merch in here, but Austin's inform informing me all we have is is the mugs. We do have mugs, that's for sure. Anyway, All right. well, I'm not one for plug and merch anyway, so. <laughs> no, but you know, if it's exciting, it reminds me of uh, playing uh, uh, Dungeons and Dragons as a little kid where you, you know, the whole world of, oh, parents, oh, school, homework, uh, bully gonna beat me up, steal my lunch money, was you were, you were insulated from. All you cared, you entered the mind in the of the dungeon master and the world of of the fantasy, and I think that that's really. I realized in 2020 and doing a lot of what we do. This is my mental health day, and and researching this and talking about this because it's a wonderful reprieve now that they've taken movies away from us and uh, and 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 family gatherings and. Uh, uh, you know, going out, Concerts, sports, you know, everything. I Make just think, that, I think given my thought that this time in the universe is pushing us to be more than we were, we're being in a sense initiated that we have to stay calm in what appears to be a, a, a lot of chaos. If we can see beyond ourselves, we have a lot better shot at that. You can see a bigger meaning in things. There's a, a lot, a lot better shot at it. So I, I like the whole idea of ESP and precognition, and it, it, it's been a part of my life since I was a boy. So to me, this is like you know, 
another part of life, even though for some people this is, ah, you know. So we're hoping that that the viewers will, I, I'm hoping, maybe, I hope you are too, will just take a look at their own experiences and their own observations. I mean, this is as simple as knowing who's on the phone before it rings. Yeah, we've talked about that. And, and I like that because everybody has had that experience. It's almost a universal experience. If you stop people and you say, hey, have you ever had that feeling where you hadn't, you were thinking about someone that you hadn't talked about in a long time and then the phone rang, like, it seems like it's usually five to 15 seconds before um, those, those, the mechanism of action of ESP kind of helps give more credence to the mechanism and understand it's, it's more of a general theory of uh, tying a lot of these different topics that we've talked from, from ghosts to astral projections to, to um, precognition or clairvoyance or, or remote viewing. And, you know, precognition is a little bit different. Again, it's a, it's a type, I guess, of ESP, extrasensory perception, which... Um, I think it's similar to remote viewing. It's knowing something that's... Remote viewing is a type of ESP, sure. Yeah, but I mean, precognition, knowing something happening right now that is in a different spot. I have a rule. If I think of someone I haven't seen in the last month more than three times in a day, I call them. And it's almost invariably something's going on. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, and then, you know, some people use synonymously the word uh, premonition for pre precognition. I would say premonition is a type of a precognition. Sometimes it's called future sight or a I prophecy. Premonition or, is more clairvoyance. So or clairvoyance it. or second sight or fortune telling. We've all heard these words, but they're all types of getting downloading information from a space outside of the bony construct that is known as your cranium. Uh, it makes me think of uh, uh, Pythias, I think, is how, is how you say it in Greek which was the, or, you know, the, they were the oracles um, in, in ancient Greece. And the, you know, oracle of Delphi, of course, uh, was one of the most famous, if not the most famous. But um, one of the things that I liked uh, was, was Pythias or Pythias. Um, one, well, one, they were all virgins. I mean, not that I liked that part, but I just had to throw that in there. I guess once your virginity is gone, you're, you're cut off from astral uh, source information is somehow diminished, but, but they dedicated their entire lives uh, to prophesizing. Um, and of course they're working for God. And, and at that time, God was uh, Apollo. Um, but the, even on the, the columns, sometimes they say over, over the threshold of the door, but they're actually on the columns are these inscriptions um, from uh, Proneos, the forecourt, basically, uh, which basically contains three maxims. And this is a good Jeopardy question, God rest Alec Trebek's soul. But one of them they talk about in the Matrix, pop quiz. Which one was that? I don't have a clue. Well, coincidentally, one? Neo is with the Oracle, which they call the Oracle in the movie. And she has the same sign over her kitchen door when he is in the kitchen meeting with her the first time. So I know all of our listeners are just like, ooh, 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 call on me. Yeah, don't call on me. I don't know. This is stuff. anyone listening? 
Temet Nasce, which interestingly is pronounced the same in Latin as it is Greek, but it means know thyself. It's the first maxim over the Oracle of Delphi. So know the, thyself. The answer of I don't have a clue wasn't right then. Know thyself. I forget how to say the Greek on the next two, but the second one is nothing to excess is how it translates. Mm -hmm. Kind of like a gluttony thing, maybe. Yeah, kind of the middle way, you know, like Buddha, Buddha said. And the third one is the most misunderstood. Surety brings ruin or make a pledge and mischief is nigh. Um, that, one's, that one's a little fun. But, my, but it was most known and most famous for know thyself. And that's exactly what we're trying to get people to do is to really know who they are, to be comfortable in their own skin, their own convictions, their own spirituality, their own sense of uh, consciousness and connectedness to the world and to start turning this knob up. I mean, it's great to turn, you know, your, your workout knob up because we've all got the COVID-15. It's great to turn, you know, volunteering up at the school up. All of these are, are wonderful, but we're not turning up our self-care, our self-spiritual care knob or our self-discovery. It's not even that we're talking about religion or spirituality. It's, it's, De further developing our relationship with consciousness, starting with the greatest tool that we have to access it, and that's our own consciousness. So, although we don't have, I guess, well, we do have modern day oracles, tarot readers. Oh, uh, plenty of them. But, you know, in, in antiquity, they would go and talk to these oracles. They'd call them consultants, literally those who seek consul. Um, and they would take them on this like four stage process. It was very kind of regimented, but one of, you know, the first I think was a shamanic journey, you know, um, it, it was, it was very, it was taken very seriously, almost like a religious ceremony or, or, or an ayahuasca retreat or, or the peyote for the native American church, uh, vision quests. I it, think that it's, I think that we as a culture are, are very hypocritical about this. I'll give you an example. Gene Dixon, who was a psychic and an astrologer, worked for President Roosevelt, President Truman, President Eisenhower, President Kennedy, President Nixon, all the way up through Reagan, okay? She probably had as much to do with our policy as any other advisor, okay? But if you say, well, I go to an, I go to an astrologer or I, I consult with a psychic, everybody goes, oh, you're some kind of nut job. One of my, one of my friends, was, rest in peace, he's gone now, uh, was, a, was a spook. He was a spy. And he worked for one of those three-letter agencies. And he told me, everybody in Washington has their own psychic. But we don't, we don't uh, acknowledge a huge part of our consciousness. And I think that's the key, you wanna know yourself, you need to know this part of yourself. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, you're, you're having to use energy to push it away. And you lose a little bit in the creativity and just enjoying the mystery of life. I mean, there's, there's, embracing there's the an mystery. embrace, yeah, there's an embracing um, the mystery that I, I, that's what drives me.
Yeah, it's want... the question that drives us. That's another Matrix quote. Yeah, I always said, okay. No, the funny thing is I love the Matrix, but I didn't memorize it. Be, I, well, I memorized it. I memorized it. Star Wars and Star Trek, but um, not the Matrix and lots of rock and roll songs. Well, so I have a week, whatever, um, um, tenant of, 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 or a hypothesis that might help break that linearity thinking. Because if you put one, it, we're going to get to in a second, uh, Joseph J.B. Ryan's, Joseph Banks Ryan was one of the first to formally uh, test, measure, scientifically investigate precognition and ESP. I found it a big center, which, which we can talk about in a minute. But that was the goal was, let's assume there is a sixth sense, let's find a way to measure it. And they set out to do that very much so. But you know, coming from the scientific community, there was very much the knowledge and awareness that the, the very possibility of seeing into the future with our understanding of, of physics violates causality because, because an event cannot occur before its cause. Um, that, that's true. That's, that's true. actually, there, there are studies that would uh, dispute that. Well, it's not. true in our limit in our current understanding. Now, if you like, we've talked about the timing of, uh, or, or the timelessness of of a place, a space, a dimension, however you want to call it, where time is both existing in the past, present, and future simultaneously, kind of like you know, in the Matthew McConaughey movie uh, Interstellar when he's you know, trapped in the Tesseract <laughs> at the end, he can literally go to any time and place. I like that movie because it showed a, um, you know, a Hollywood, uh, whatever representative way that there may be some sort of a, a singularity point of consciousness where it can break not only, and, and we talked about that last week, again, with remote viewing, because remote viewers are thought to not only break, um, um, spatial rules, right? Like you can't travel from here to Russia and the speed of a thought, but it also violated temporal rules. And so that's when we get to talk a little bit about um, retrocognition, which we're going to finish up with. But basically, you got to find a new mechanism that doesn't violate this concept of, cons of causality. Star Trek's uh, attack, uh, uh, attempted to explain that a bunch right with with uh, a lot of different time paradoxes and stuff like that and uh, I think I think that that's generally fascinating but if you go off the premise that time in certain ex you know existential places exists both past present and future now you've now you've got you've got no necessarily proof of that but you at least have a hypothesis to explain um, how precognition could could work um, well, because I, to I me, like, you know, I, I like hearing about people's experiences and you jogged a memory for me. Uh, astronaut Edgar Mitchell uh, wrote a book about his moon journey. He, he was uh, one of the 12 human beings that walked on the moon. And um, he was in Sarasota giving a talk. So at the end of the talk, you know, at Sarasota, so everybody's talking to each other instead of talking to him. And I said, I'm going to shake the hand of a man who walked on the moon. I went right up to him, you know, stuck out my hand and shook his hand, I introduced myself. And then I said to him, listen, 
don't name any names. Because he was talking about, uh, he did an ESP experiment uh, mm -hmm. on the moon flight. It wasn't sanctioned, of course. He just did it. And um, he also wrote about a spiritual experience that he had on that flight. So I said to him, look, take me into the astronauts locker room. I don't want to know any names, just you guys hanging out, talking to each other. Did any of the other astronauts have a spiritual experience on one of these moon flights? And he went like this. Mm -hmm. And then he said, um, they all did. He goes, but I'm the only one willing to talk about it. And I think that is, is a microcosm of what we experience in the culture. It's all over the place that everybody feels like it's their little secret. You know, they, right. they can't, can't admit it. Yeah. And that's why talking about it, um, you know, I'm all, I, I'm all sitting here worried about, you know, science and, and, and suspension of disbelief. I mean, this is the perfect time to do it because 2020 has had nothing to do with science or facts or reality. You know, it's it's idiocracy, um, and it's and it's a devastating you know pandemic, and and we're not seeing objective truths clearly. So, I think that we're all well poised to begin thinking outside of the box of our head, and these are just stimulating, fascinating um, topics to talk about. What you just said is a perfect segue into our our show, of course, next week, um, which is going to be again an extension of this but going you know going back to just the precognition piece um jb ryan i mean i know you know who jb ryan was he kind of was a huge benefactor back in the 1930s at duke university's uh, parapsychology lab of course ryan you know they still have ryan hall in, in a department there um and he organized research, um, and I won't name a lot of the researchers because he ultimately get, gets credit for that whole project, but people have seen some of the work when they were using the old uh, Zenner cards, remember, with the, sure. with the different symbols. Um, and information, um, you know, that, that is passing forward to contact the future for, for some precognition, let's say, if that's how it works, would need to be carried by physical part or particles doing the same. And that's when you get into temporal mechanics and understanding faster than light travel. Um, that breaks yet another law, unless you're in a higher dimension and then you can pass very quickly or instantaneously this information. And then, it could, again, it's a two-way communication, unlike Star Trek would always like to say it's a one-way, because it, uh, what they call a retrocognition <laughs> is doing the same thing, except passing information um, from the past, which is pretty Here, cool. Here's the thing. When 9-11 happened, and a lot of things come back to 9-11, they had a computer, there was a computer that was generating random numbers for uh, experiments. And about 10, 15 minutes, I don't remember the exact number, was right before the planes hit the towers, the computers went non-random and the scientists couldn't explain it. And it lasted about 24 hours and then it went back to its ordinary, you know, generating random numbers. And I, of course I have heard uh, only God can uh, create, create a random number, but um, could it have been picking up on the same things that we're talking about? I mean, to me, we're really 
engaging a beautiful mystery. It reminds me of the show Travelers because that's what they did. Not only did they send consciousness back through time, um, which in a lot in a lot of ways is a retrocognition of of consciousness pushing. They had, they had a, a, a supercomputer that was capable of doing this using what they called a tell, which um, had to do with um, I think time elevation and latitude and longitude so you knew exactly where that consciousness was gonna be sent um not too much of a spoiler alert but it was sent into people at the moment of what would have been their natural death to cause uh as minimal perturbation to the space-time continuum as possible um and then they would essentially inhabit that person's body through through their mind being injected into it. it it makes me think of that a little bit except they were actually able to control and target where their astral projection it's not really as or 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 their um precognition they knew about events that occurred in the past based on historical records and then you know in the future hundreds of years had the technology to push consciousness through a retrocognition mover, moving machine um, to not only just see like remote view and sample it, but to move their, their sense of self, their awareness, their sentience, their consciousness to another time and place is really fascinating to think about. And it's right along these lines. Um, but you know, there's been- Fascinating Mark, it's fun. It's the yeah. juice of life. It's, it's the going into these areas and trying to figure stuff out, to me, that makes all of, all of what we've studied and all what we do worth it. Because if we're just gonna do nine to five and take two days off on the weekend and two weeks vacation, then we die. Well, that sounds so boring to me. But yeah, you just made me all depressed. I was fired up there for a second. Oh, no, 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 quite the reverse. Delving into this stuff is the, it's, it's the juice of life. It's the stuff that makes it all worthwhile. And when I talk to you about it, I get all stoked. I want to know more. I want to do more. I want to experience. I want to talk to people who've had these experiences. Um, that's why it was so great to talk to Ed Mitchell. You know, and we've had records of this in our culture. Edgar Casey, for example, mm -hmm. who did thousands, literally thousands of readings. And uh, they even built a hospital around his readings and had licensed doctors doing the prescriptions he came up with, you know, when he was in his ESP mode. Fascinating. And by the way, the hospital was very successful until the uh, stock market crashed. I guess Casey didn't see that one coming or something. But um, the hospital was very successful and they didn't end it because they were not doing good treatments. They ended it because they ran out of money. Yeah, well, you had to have money. Um, I, I mean, the last thing I would say about the mechanism is it, there is a relatively new discovery supporting evidence of, of quantum retrocausality um, as a suggestion of a, pop, a, po a possible mechanism for precognition. But honestly, it was a little bit above the scope of our time, not the not the uh, intelligence of our viewers, but 
Um, I had to read it several times and I have a physics degree. <laughs> I uh, have you read it so you can explain it to me. Yeah, I got to read it some more so I can explain it better. But uh, it has to do with the, you know, quantum weirdness and a lot of the uncertainty. And you get down to certain levels, you know, and as uh, matter and it gets smaller and smaller and even sub subatomic, you know, quantum weirdness, um, a lot, a lot of weirdness. By the I way, mean, they're, they're naming particles strange. Do you include the name of a, in, of a precognition and ESP? Huh? Do you include dreams in precognition and ESP? Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, a lot of alternative explanations um, for like, oh, that's not precognition. That's deja vu, or or that's just a coincidental dream, or maybe it was an unconscious perception. You know, where you infer from data that you learned in the past that you may not have you know remembered in the moment um then an event will probably happen in whatever context um the random number generators at 9-11 don't fit that one because that that's certainly uh um random um or or that there's another psychological ph phenomenon called self-fulfilling prof prophecy which you know what that is it's basically the unconscious enactment where people bring into fruition um, events that they had previously imagined and then they see it as precognition um, or, or a memory bias itself. That's another well-known to psychologists uh, where people selectively distort past experiences and to match subsequent uh, events. Um, Co co we already talked about coincidence, but just sheer coincidence that when you see a coincidence, you therefore assume it's not coincidence. Right. And uh, the last one that they get blamed for all the time is uh, as, as a bias to, to um, precognition is retrofitting. Retrofitting is kind of cool because it, occur it involves after the fact matching of an event to an imprecise previous prediction. So it provides an explanation um, for the supposed accuracy of Nostradamus's vague prediction, uh, predictions. Because if you make it, the bigger you make your prediction, uh, <laughs> the more accurate of a hit that you're gonna get. And so oh, yeah. retrofitting okay. is kind of something that has been argued to seriously impinder, uh, you know, veridical research or laboratory research on on testing but i have my own beef with the zener cards um there were a lot of controversy over that people tried to repeat his uh tests and they didn't find any statistical significance but like you said it's it's the spice of life and if everyone's had that experience of well i haven't talked to my old college roommate in years what, are, what really are the chances of that? What really happened there? I mean, 37% of Americans surveyed believe uh, believe in in uh, either ESP and or precognition, basically extra sensory information transmitting and receiving. You That's know, but I bet, I bet if you ask those same people, you didn't use the words ESP or precognition, uh, did you ever know who was on the phone before the phone rang? You get a much higher response. Oh, yeah. Yes. You know, if you don't use those words, because those words are like, you know, that's evil. You yeah. Know, you're not supposed to deal with that. And, um, you know, it's uh, interesting. I read a book years ago called uh, 
um, I wrote it down, what was the name of it? Stalking the Wild Pendulum by Itzhak Bento. It was about the mechanics of consciousness. And his explanation just blew me away. Yeah. He said that we are all pendulums, heart rate, go, you know, blood pressure, uh, craniosacral rhythm, all these things go on a pendulum. What happens right at the end of the, pend of the swing? Well, the pendulum slows down right. and it Stop. stops and turns around. But what he said was, what happens right before it stops? I mean, one over infinity distance. Well, he goes, well, you get rate times time is equal distance. When the distance is one over infinity, rate times time is, is meaningless. And his hypothesis was that the really good psychics have learned how to stop the pendulum in that infinity zone. Mm -hmm. and, and because of that, they have this non-local awareness of, all, of what Jung might call the collective unconscious, whatever information. Is that, is that analogous to Nirvana or is that just once you've plugged into the divine source, the one source? Is that, is that? Well, I don't know if it's the same thing? thing, you know, but we, we demand, it's funny, Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player in history, hit 45% of his shots. If a psychic misses one, everybody says they're a charlatan. You should have seen that one coming. Yes, yeah, something like that. It's information. Well, what you do with it is up to you, but it, you know, to ignore it is kind of silly. Let me give us more simplified um, um, picture of retrocognition because uh, going back to my my first explanation of of the mechanism, uh, be, because if you can understand the mechanism, you can understand how all of these different things that we're talking about are connected because it's the same thread that ties them all together. And one of the things, I mean, we always think about precognition, precognition, precognition. Well, think about retrocognition. So that's, um, that's when you walk into, uh, let's say Gettysburg, you know, the battlefield at Gettysburg, let's assume that you weren't you weren't there in a previous life you know if we could somehow figure that out let's let's assume that it's it's foreign to you and you go there and then you get in touch and in tune with whether that's a visual impression or maybe just hearing the nature of the battlefield a sense of cold or dark or was it daylight or or or, or maybe even um hearing people screaming, bleeding, dying, um, assuming that's not ghosts, or like I said, a memory of a past life, that could be retrocognition. That could be you bridging the gap between, you're, you're standing on that hallowed ground, but you're bridging the gap between the time that your brain sits in and the time of the event that it occurred. And so to get through those two barriers, you can use precognition through, through the mechanism we spoke about before to, I guess, time travel, if you will, even though time exists both past, present, and future simultaneously. And you're there. You're there in the here now, but you're there as well and can give accounts of things you see, smell, here <clears throat> that you wouldn't have otherwise known. 
that that's retrocognition, knowing past events. And, and so a lot of times people describe it as seeing the past replay, like, like they're like, a, like they're actors on a stage. So if you have a good visual precog, um, they're, they're sitting there at the battlefield looking around and they're describing the uniforms and how, you know, how hasty they're moving, how scared they are, what type of year, what, what time of year, what they're eating details that may be known by some historian and some, you know, but did they truly document how many baked beans versus, you know, mm -hmm. squirrels they were eating at the time. So you can get information retro uh, cognitively through extrasensory per, per, uh, uh, perception, which I think is equally as cool too, because we always think about the future. We always think about the future. Oh, knowing the future. Do you want to know your future? Here's some tarot cards. Here's your poem reading. What if I want to know the past? I think it's very cool. And, I, and I, I would say that being able to connect with the emotion, because if you're in a room and somebody's been angry in that room, so you can feel that even if they're not in the room. It's like they leave a field there that you can connect with. And, that, and um, in a place like Gettysburg, let's say, and I did have a patient who did a, a past life uh, in Gettysburg and it, the symptom was she couldn't go into movie theaters because it was a red carpet. Mm -hmm. Well, the trauma was all the blood on the floor mm -hmm. of the hospital. She was a nurse in that lifetime. But you're not exactly talking about that. You're talking about, I think, someone who can resonate with those vibrations from the past and, and access greater information, whether they were there or not. Right. That's, That's retrocognition. Yeah. And it doesn't, I don't know if it's tuning into the frequency. If anything, I feel like they're like chronotons that are tuning into the time. The okay. Well, that, you know, that's a different way of, uh, it's a similar idea. It's yeah. Just tuning into a different kind of vibration. So, so that's how yeah, I Yeah, but the vibration limits it to certain psi phenomenon. Whereas if you think of it as, um, you know, the mechanism that I originally uh, explained, they, it explains a lot more than just vibration or tune okay. or being in tune. Um, or, or one thing you always hear about, go what are ghosts? Well, maybe they're echoes of the consciousness that was once there. Well, what if those echoes are from the time in which they were really right alive and you see them walking through their kitchen they might see you as oh my god i got ghosts because they're the ones that are alive and you're the astral body that looks like a damn ghost over there get out of my house get out of my house brother so uh, the mechanism really kind of stimulated me on the on this one because it ties in so many different side phenomenon that we've talked about and just the idea that the um that that the uh timelessness and I guess, you know, spacelessness, but it's really about the bending of time and the nonlinearity of time. And that can even break out of the causality loop uh, limitation argument we talked about at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So I think we're set for next week to be talking about um, really not just the uh, extension 
of, of what you started to talk about before, Rich, religious and, and transpersonal experiences. But through this setting, we're going to really go down the rabbit hole with them because there is a lot. I've already started my own research on the religious transpersonal show. Um, and there's going to be a lot of really interesting stuff. Now, we're going to be talking more about the mechanisms and the concepts and really nothing about history because every religion has um, a long history of, of stories and um, claims and stuff like that. We're going to focus in on the on the what does it mean to the consciousness, which is really going to be super cool. So I, for one, can't wait. All right, I always can't wait for these things. I love doing this stuff. Yeah, I don't know how long we took, but it wasn't long enough. It never seems to be <laughs> long enough. Time bent. That's the thing. Man. It only took why about does, a minute. Why does five minutes at the dentist seem like it's taken so much longer than five minutes, uh, you know, like I began or... 2020 was a leap year. You yeah, know, we should have leaped right over days, it. March, 300 days, uh, April, four years or whatever. It's been a, it's a definitely been a bend a year. So until don't forget to tell our, our viewers, Rich, to remember to be, be well. well, we didn't get it that time. We try it again. One, two, two three. three. Be, be well. well. Oh, you want to slow be well. One, two, three. Be, be well. <laughs> and buy one of Mark's cups. He's They're not my cups. One. There are cups. They're on the Alt Psych Show merch. He's got an extra website. one. If if you if you want it, he'll first five callers get them for free. And he'll autograph it. Oh, and I'll even autograph it. Yeah. That's right. So okay. thanks for joining us. See you Until next, next time. All Stay right. out of the bye newspapers. Bye. Okay. <laughs>